0: Welcome to ENBUS Talks, a podcast focusing on Norwegian business in Singapore and Asia, where we take the lead on innovation, new technology and new solutions. Because Norway means business. With your host, Anne Hegre, Executive Director at the Norwegian Business Association in Singapore.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode on NBAS Talks. Today we are focusing on decarbonization. And with us in studio we have Christina de the the Maria, with, who is managing director for APAC in, um, in BNVGL and uh, Mr. Erik Strömse, uh, CEO and managing director of uh, Pareto Securities in uh, Asia. So, you guys are here to talk about decarbonization, um, sort of a buzzword these days. So, we are tra- trying to break it a little down. And um, this episode is sponsored by DNVGL. And we have also another event on the 19th of November where we are really gonna do a deep dive uh, in this topic uh, at Hongbao Media Studios. So, but I will start with you, Eric. Um, we are now around the american uh, election and how important is it to kick trump out of the office to secure a green new deal and, uh, and a proper focus on uh, sustainability and decarbonization uh, hi
2: nurse. good morning um and thanks for uh, thanks for having me today i think um the answer is that of course it's important but i would say it would have been much more important uh four years ago or eight years ago because uh you know four years ago and uh, and even longer ago the market was a lot more dependent on uh, government regulations and subsidies to be able to grow in, in the renewable sector for for renewables to be able to compete with um uh, various types of uh, carbon energy, you basically had to have uh, subsidies from governments. These days, um, it's not as important. That's not to say that having a friendly, you know, regulatory environment uh, isn't important, uh, but it's just less so than it used to be. Uh, and, you know, you know, if, if you're reading any of the large kind of financial newspapers these days, the only time you read about renewable Energy and, and other measures that can lead to decarbonization is when you read about new investments being made, new projects being announced, and every once in a while, you know, uh, Donald Trump or, or somebody else, uh, but usually Donald Trump, um, you know, saying that he's going to make it, uh, you know, tougher uh, to get some of these uh, projects through. But, you know, he's fighting it tidal of wave of, of capital going into the renewable energy sector, which I don't think he can compete with, even as president.
1: Yeah, so you are actually quite uh, optimistic, I uh, hear, on the, on the future uh, regarding decarbonization. Uh, this is sort of a little, uh, it's not related so much to politics, maybe. No, it is they, they, they
2: go hand in hand, but it's much less so than it used to be. As as a lot of uh, these uh, shifts that happen uh, in the industries, it's always helpful to have uh, you know a friendly push through regulation and policies, subsidies, taxes, etc. In the beginning, to get the transition started. And on the renewable side, you know that has been taking place for the past uh, ten, twenty years now. Uh, and now you're you're at the stage where it's still important, but it's less so than it used to be.
1: Yeah, thank you, Eric. And uh, Christina, I know that you guys at DNVGL, you have actually looked forward all the way to two thousand and fifty on this uh, topic. And we, I know that we are going to hear more about that on our event on the nineteenth of November on at Hong Bao Studios, but you can maybe already now, or give us a little taste of uh, how it looks like?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so thank you as well. It's a pleasure to, to be here uh, and have this uh, really important discussion. So, so focusing on shipping, right? I, uh, I, I, I do, first of all, agree with Eric that, uh, that markets now are kind of more independent in that respect, but, but, but I do feel uh, that policies um, are going to be key in order for us to, to manage to, to to comply with those uh, with the goals that that the IMO uh, has set for for 2050, which is basically that reduction of uh, greenhouse gas emissions by 50% from the baseline of of 2008. So uh, so policies all around the world is not only about the US uh, need to be implemented in order to to make sure that we have a A level playing field for all the all the ship owners and that we don't punish uh, the first movers so uh, that's basically one of the one of the findings from from our study that maritime forecast and uh yeah and the other thing i would say is that is that we really need to start now you know it's you cannot wait until you have the perfect solution uh we need we need to start the pathway to their carbonization now
1: yeah you used the uh, uh, abbreviation there, I- IMO. Can you just walk us a little through what uh, what is that organization and uh, uh, who do they consist of, and and uh, what authority do, does the rules that it sets uh, have?
3: Yeah, so that the IMO is the International Maritime Organization, which basically set the rules from a global, you know, perspective regards shipping. As we all know, shipping is a global industry, and uh, and those are the ones set in the the, the, the direction, uh, and uh, and uh, and we are all, you know, and uh, looking at them to to see actually, you know, uh, how how we can reach uh, and uh, those goals, and uh, and it's really important that and that that was made clear already. So uh, so we, as an industry, we really need to start working now to make that happen.
1: Yeah, and uh, are you optimistic? Are you uh, thinking that we are going to sort of decarbonize enough to uh, to uh, to save the planet in time?
3: So I'm optimistic in the sense that I think we the, the technology uh, a lot of it it exists, but 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 it needs we need to make sure that all this technology is available globally. Uh, we need to make sure that it's safe. To use that technology, right? And again, that it's a level playing field because at the end of the day, uh, we the, the owners. I'm, I'm talking about the ship owners. Need to have, you know, there needs to be a business case for them as well. So, uh, but but I'm I'm optimistic. Uh, however, I must say uh, that uh, from from the study we have done in the MBGL regarding the energy transition outlook, uh, when it comes to global warming, if we continue as per now we will not reach the paris agreement uh, so our outlook right now is that we will end up with a 2.3 global warming so but but it's up to us basically and uh, as i said we, we need to start now and this is the decade uh, where things need to happen
1: yeah just out of curiosity just to follow up on that what will happen if we uh if we um yeah for, for in that scenario what practical consequences would have for us uh, as uh, yeah, <laughs> eh, environmental yeah. and and everything. Do have you been looking into that as well? Uh,
3: not that specifically, but I mean, I think we have all seen that you know all the all the quences, all the consequences of the of the water uh, level rising up, right? And that can have major consequences to 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 certain cities uh, and places, right? So uh, so it will really you know. Affect the the planet per se, but that I think we would need a whole new podcast to to discuss yeah. about global warming. There are also many views about, the, about those ones.
1: Yeah, Eric, hey, I will jump over to you again. Um, uh, are you optimistic or pessimistic that uh, that sort of the market will uh, uh, itself uh, uh, change enough for uh, for for this to be um, to save the planet?
2: Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, um, in a word, yes, I am. The the uh, the change. If you look back at 2020 and you kind of uh, think about what uh, what were the positives that came out of this whole strange, uh, horrible in many ways year, uh, one of the big positives is that you have had a massive increase in the focus on. Uh, investments uh, with an ESG element, sort of uh, uh, focusing on environmentally um, uh, friendly solutions, um, social responsibility and governance in, in organizations. That is sort of the ESG a- acronym. And uh, there's been an increasing, a significantly increasing focus on that. And that's been happening gradually, but it, it really took off um, in, in 2020, I would say. And, uh, and also in, in various types of, decarbonizing uh, investments. Um, so I think, you know, it's definitely important to have uh, a, a combination of, of, of policy and, and market drivers in these things. And I think the, the other thing to keep in mind is that we're talking about sort of renewable energy and decarbonization, which are massive, massive topics and, and being quite general here. But, uh, you know, if you drill down into subsectors, like for instance, shipping, Policy is a lot more important. And, and as Christina says, what IMO has been doing and what the EU is also currently doing with, with a contemplated tax on CO2 emissions from ships is driving a lot of change uh, in that industry on top of what uh, the investors themselves um, are are doing. But if you look at you know this year, um, you know, you take the Nordic stock exchange indexes uh, and they are basically flat. Um, If you look at the uh, renewable uh, energy companies, they're up about 90%. If you look at uh, a more global uh, composite of renewable energy companies, they're up about uh, 120% the last 12 months, whereas if you take the S&P, it's uh, up about 10%. So there's just a massive inflow of capital that has happened Um, which means that you're making money by investing in, uh, you know, decarbonizing uh, solutions and that leads to more money coming in and that effect is, you know, the the, the impact of of something like that, I think is difficult to, to fathom what we've seen this year and how that will affect the speed at which this change can potentially happen. Uh, you know, I think I'd be interested to see another report from BNB next year because I think once you kind of get through the effects of what's happened this year in terms of new companies being funded, being able to go on the stock exchanges, invest in new projects, uh, and all these different positive consequences that have happened, uh, I'm hopeful that the, the base case scenario would be that we actually do meet the goal.
3: Kristina. If I may just build up, also I think that uh, to to put a, another positive thing from from this year uh, is basically that it shows that the world can actually change the way we live and operate and work, you know, uh, yeah, uh, very rapidly. Uh, the, the issue is that we need those changes fast and actually in order to meet the Paris Agreement. We would need to decrease the number of CO two emissions that we have decreased this year, all the all the way up to twenty fifty. And of course, we need to do it in another way that doesn't take the toll right in in life and livelihoods as as the pandemic has done. Right? Uh, but 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 we can do that that change if we are all committed uh, to to
0: it.
1: Yeah. Super. So you guys, I'm just uh, a little curious. You how? Know, uh... How long have you been living in Singapore, Eric? You have been here for quite a few years, right?
2: Yeah, I have. Uh, I've been there since uh, 2014 now, so it's about uh, six years. i starting to become uh, a veteran, but um, enjoying it here. And uh, you know, uh, we Corretto, as a, as a company, that had a presence in Singapore since. Uh, 2006 it's always been an important part of our international business and uh, you know, we have a great team here and um, are doing a lot of interesting transactions also in the renewable space and, and, I, and i think it's 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 a kind of a fun part of what norway can also bring to the decarbonization um, strategy is um, is is also financing. I mean, we have a lot of innovation uh, on the actual technology side. We have a lot of uh, experience. if you think about offshore wind, for instance, obviously all of the stuff that we have been doing on the oil and gas side is is really being put to good work um, these days uh, in in that uh, rapidly growing uh, offshore wind industry. Um, but I think we also have been pioneers in in financing a lot of these things. And um, you know as an example, last year, uh, or not last year, but in, in March of this year, so sort of smack in the middle of the pandemic, we we raised financing for a solar plant in Queensland in Australia, and that was basically a, a deal that Pareto Securities, a regional investment bank, put together. Um, we found a lot of interest for it. Ended up actually doing it with a large Scandinavian investor. And, and it was it was a deal that um, you know had not been done before uh, because it was focused on having spot exposure to power prices rather than being kind of on these subsidized contracts, which is is a big important step forward for the renewable economy to be able to live without subsidies. So um, so yeah, we're doing interesting things out here, which is one of the things that um, keeps me happy about uh, living here
1: yeah yeah you mentioned Eric queue with uh, the te- technology innovation side also. I, I don't know uh, Christina, maybe you can say a little more on that. What-, what do we see on the innovation technology What are you at the NVGLC going on?
3: Yeah no there's a lot going on and uh, it's, it's good because because we need it and I think that uh, Singapore is one of their advantages about it you know that it's a, it's a great uh, innovation hub. And uh, and I would say maritime ecosystem. I think it's it's quite unique that you can reach all the relevant stakeholders within one hour drive. I don't think you can have that in, an, in any other place in the in the world within the maritime sector, right? And I think you you also you have uh, companies, private sector that is committed. You have the the the. the Finance side, and you have a government right that is also committed to it. So, so, so we see a lot of uh interest and um an investment, for example, in technologies like 3D printing, right? Uh, which will be really interesting to see how it affects the the the, the, the trading patterns right uh, around the world. Uh, you see investments, uh, of course, uh, Singapore is now uh, is building. Uh, and working towards uh, uh, to be a very important LNG bunkering hub, and I'm sure uh, towards the future uh, they will look at bunkering of other type of carbon neutral fuels. It will be interesting to see how what hydrogen, hydrogen, you know, um, how it develops and, uh, and here. So, uh, so it's very it's very good, and of course, our role as the MBGL is to make sure that. Uh, whatever uh, technology uh, you know, it's it's being looked at that uh, that we we can make the rules and make sure that it it can be you know deployed in a in a safe uh, manner, right? And, uh, and 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 we have the all the elements. So so basically, the good thing about us here in Singapore as well is that we are like a little headquarters. So so every single service that can be done in uh, in in Norway, we can also do it here in. Uh, in Singapore. So it's uh, it's the place to be it's exciting and we all know that you know center of gravity is moving towards asia. So uh, so I think we have a good opportunity to to make uh, very good things here. Yeah
1: just uh, before we return to our next perspective which which is the sort of the from the business perspective but um, you said the center of gravity grows or goes to the towards, towards asia how how come
3: you know, I think when it comes to investment relevance, and of course, if you go to more the, you know, macroeconomic uh, trends, right, uh, you see the population growth, right? Uh, and, and, and you see Asia, uh, and of course, you have China, you have Southeast Asia, all these countries that will, the middle class is really growing. Uh, they're moving more into cities. And I think that we are going to see very interesting uh, yeah, developments uh, there.
1: Yeah. is China into decarbonisation decarbonization or are they more aloof no
3: absolutely so uh, china has just said uh, you know a, a couple of weeks back that they are going to become carbon neutral by 2060 so so that's quite a ambitious uh, statement but uh, i think that uh, china has proven that if they say one thing they will they will do that and many other countries i mean japan also has said uh, by 2050 and uh, and as Eric mentioned, I mean the EU is really pushing as well towards uh you know uh, the decarbonization. So I think it will be interesting to see. Okay, we will
1: uh, turn out the perspective a little and see this from uh, from the businesses. If you would run a, a business and and you are really or within the maritime sector and you would um, sort of feel that the the Demands from uh, IMO, uh, International Maritime Organization, is a little uh, hard to comply with, and and you are sort of look out for for what to do. What is your best uh, advice? Start with you, Eric.
2: Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure uh, uh, there's. Uh, materials and, and publications out there from organizations like uh, b and and others that can give you some insight into how kind of these technologies are going to develop and, and what what the requirements actually are and what you need to do, etc. Um, but I think also, you know, most maritime companies have been focusing on this for quite some time now because it's a, it's, it's a major impact uh, to, to the business uh, that they're in. Um, but it does... Impose additional requirements on the companies which they didn't have in the past, and I would say it, it also, you know, makes it a little bit more difficult to be, you know, a small operator uh, with 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 limited ability to kind of set aside resources to focus on technology development and innovation and, and being ahead of the curve on some of these things. So in a way it, it raises the barriers to entry a little bit for shipping, which I think is um, is a positive thing. but uh, of course it entails some costs in the uh, in the short uh, to, to medium term, but uh, I, I think it will be a positive thing.
1: Yeah.
3: Cristina? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a very complex uh, situation and, uh, and the issue is that uh, you, the, the ship owners, especially, they need to take a lot of decisions uh, with a lot of unknowns, right? And that's why I said in the beginning that that's, it's very important that you have uh, a, a policies and a good regulatory framework that creates a level playing field. And again, it doesn't punish, you know, the, 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 the first movers, because otherwise we will not get uh, we will not get there, and uh, I I really feel that we really don't have a choice. We just need to do this. If you know, uh, maybe I'm a bit idealistic here, but if we want a planet for for our sons and our, our next generations, we we all need to you know make sure that uh, that we decarbonize the the in this case the shipping industry. That doesn't uh, mean that uh, I think it's already a, a quite efficient industry. So we shouldn't be also too hard on ourselves. But, but we cannot stop. We cannot become complacent and we need to take action. And, uh, and I think what is important uh, for ship owners now is that we cannot let perfect be the enemy of the good, because there are already good solutions in place, like, for example, gas right, and LNG. And, uh, and they will not take us to 2050, but at least they will take us for the next vessel generation. So uh, yeah, so those will be my thoughts. And of course, from the MBGL, we would be happy to 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 walk through, you know, with the different uh, ship owners because they all have, you know, different trading patterns, different you know fleet profile, and so forth. So yeah,
1: yeah, that's uh, nice to hear that you're offering your your services. Um, I think we covered uh, a lot of ground here. Uh, we are soon going to uh, conclude, but I'm am going to challenge you. What is uh, what is the biggest challenge going forward to sort of reach uh, reach the goals? Uh, if you would sort of point to to one thing uh, each, I will uh, start with you, Eric.
2: The biggest challenge to reach the goals, I think, uh, in many way, I I think that we will. Uh, be able to reach the goals because I think uh, Change doesn't happen in kind of a straight gradual um, Curve and development. I think it's sort of it, 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 it seems like it's going too slow until suddenly it isn't and then um, I, I think that might have been the wake-up moment that we had in, in 2020. Um, I think you know, the, the, the capital markets are being very uh, efficient uh, in, in, in solving this challenge. So I, I think that, that part is um, is moving in the right direction. On the policy side, you know, as we discussed, it, it's still an important element. And I think that the one challenge that we have and that we have had for a very long time is just getting people to agree. Uh, and, you know, not just... Um, you know, uh, in, in 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 the countries themselves, but also across um, you know the EU uh, and uh, and IMO and uh, the Paris Agreement. I mean, we have all of these international uh, agreements that would um, be extremely important in um, in driving the change that we need, which are fraught with uh, delays uh, all the time. Different interests, so. That, that, that's maybe the, the biggest risk, that they uh, can't agree on these things uh, quick enough. Um, but uh, I think even with that, uh, we'll still get there.
1: Yeah, thanks. And Christina, the biggest challenge going forward to reach the goals? Yeah,
3: no, I, I, I would say the challenge is that we need to start now and we need to prepare and uh, this decade. I, to me, this decade will be key to 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 see how how we how we end up. So decisions need to be taken, and I think we need to. Everyone needs to do their part within the ecosystem. You know, the financial institutions need to do their part. You know, ship owners need to do their part. Uh, regulators as well, right? Uh, classification societies uh, and uh, yeah, uh, academia and uh, and the like. So I think we we all just need to. To you know, go in the same direction and do it this decade. And I think if we do that, we will succeed.
1: Okay, thank you so much to Eric Strömse, CEO at Pareto Securities in Asia, and uh, Christina Sans de Santa Maria, a Regional Manager APAC for uh, G- DBGL. Uh, it's been a really nice, and uh, I, th- I would also say uplifting conversation on a super important topic: decarbonization. And we point ahead to our big discussion uh, live from from, uh, Hongbao Studios um, uh, 19 November, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. So hope to see you all there. And uh, thank you for DMV for sponsoring these podcasts. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Anders. Thank you for listening to Enbus Talks a podcast from the Norwegian Business Association in Singapore, with your host, Anders Hegre. This episode was produced by Linda Hesselberg. To find out more, go to enbus.org.sg and join us for our next podcast shortly. Thank you for listening. Norway means business.